Hi, I'm your host and host Jenti, and IRC presents to you India's foremost road warrior podcast series, bringing to you standout podcast episodes of first-hand interviews with leaders, innovators, and trailblazers of the road safety cosmos. Join in to listen to the first Indian podcast series covering road warriors of India, individuals who have gone above and beyond. when it comes to contributing towards achieving the UN vision zero saving multiple lives throughout their initiatives join me in this journey hi folks today we have a road warrior mr piyush tiwari with us he is a tri sector leader and currently serves as the ceo of save life foundation and has been instrumental in leading it to several policy wins and on ground impact since its founding in 2008 It has been recognized as the as the best NGO in India by the Rockefeller Foundation and as a recipient of the prestigious Prince Michael International Road Safety Award and partners directly with the government industry and local communities across India to make the most dangerous roads safer. Piyush led the India operations of Calibrated Healthcare served on the founding team of India Brand Equity Fund an initiative of the Prime Minister of India to promote India as a global competitive investment destination. He has been profiled by the New York Times, National Geographic, and Times Magazine. And so heavy are talking with him today. How are you? How's your day going, Piyush? Hi, Jyanti. I'm well, thank you. And uh, my day is going well. Not too bad. So, uh, Piyush, I have some questions for you. And sure. uh, starting off with the questions, my very first question is that I have read a lot about you and uh, the first question that comes up to my mind or any person's mind. after reading about you is that what motivates you to help people who have faced some sort of road struggle who have faced some sort of road accident in their life what what motivates you basically you know uh, that that's a great question and uh, it's a very different question than people usually ask uh, about the background of save life um, you know uh, most of us know what uh, being helpless feels like Yeah. and most of us know uh what losing a loved one uh, feels like right we can imagine what or 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 we can imagine what that would be like yeah and uh, a road crash victim is someone who is um helpless at that point of time mm-hmm. uh, requires uh, either the state machinery or uh, good samaritans to uh, help them uh, so that their life can be saved Okay. and uh, they are obviously someone's loved one and uh, because we know what that uh, feels like it is our responsibility to ensure that uh, families don't have to go through the trauma that we understand or that we might know of uh, you know uh, quite uh, deeply mm-hmm. uh, and i of course uh, learned uh, what that trauma feels like after i lost uh, my young uh, cousin in a, a road crash okay. uh, about 12 years ago Right. and uh, that's what really uh, that pain really motivated me to start the objective really is that others don't have to go through the same pain and suffering that uh, we did right so please tell me this one thing i'm really interested to know this thing so when did you exactly save you started save life foundation in 2008 right yes so such long years my question is not only limited to motivation it's been so many years what keeps you motivated like for example there's a difference between the kind of motivation that you have that you had in 2008 the kind of motivation that you have in 2020 you must have faced some sort of difference in that motivation or is it 
the same or is that or has it increased or has it decreased what is it actually sure so you know one of my professors at uh, the harvard kennedy school yeah. always said that uh, you know uh, every time you feel um, down or defeated or every time you question why you're doing something mm. always go and speak to the victims and the victims will tell you um uh, you know why those conversations will tell you why you must continue doing what you're doing right, right. and uh, that is something which has uh, become a process in my life where i uh, as part of my work as well as outside of it i regularly interact with people who've been affected drastically by the issue mm-hmm. and it keeps me uh, to a large extent their suffering and their uh, pain uh, keeps my own understanding of my suffering and pain alive and uh, therefore the motivation that uh started uh these life uh you know 12 years ago remains even today and um of course uh i have a lot more uh team members now to keep me motivated uh you know we have a, a team of about 35 uh people who work at save life in you know different areas and um you know we have uh, various partners who keep us motivated but i think the core motivation really is that uh, you know we are on to solving a problem and it is a solvable problem mm-hmm. and um uh, we will uh, solve it in a defined uh, period of time mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, you know uh, going about it for me for you know uh, mm-hmm. our lifetimes mm-hmm. if it takes a lifetime there you know we are happy to dedicate that but our sense is that we see that there is a solution and that solution also motivates us mm-hmm. in addition to the uh, you know uh, what what uh, victims go through true 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 so uh, we all are well, well aware of the indian road safety scenario in india and how it's struggling to improve and is it's not very ideal so what are your thoughts on the current road scenario of the country and how do you think that the citizens can realistically improve its road safety structure sure so you know uh, uh, i started save life in 2008 yeah. when there was barely any conversation about road safety in india Yeah. and in 2020 uh, here we are in the middle of a pandemic having a podcast about the issue yeah it shows that the conversation the discourse has come a long way uh, there is certainly a lot more awareness uh, there's certainly a lot more eagerness in young people like yourself and others that are actually to do something about the problem mm-hmm. and uh, there is certainly more institutional support you know support in terms of the government passing the good samaritan law the motor vehicle amendment act mm. the supreme court forming a road safety specific committee mm-hmm. so there is a lot more ownership that has now uh, been taken by the community as well as by the government mm. now having said that the problem is far from being solved yeah. and the reason behind that is that it is a problem that requires system change right. and system change is never easy right so you're we're talking about uh, chronic issues like uh, people's behavior on the road right how do you change that how do you put 120 million licensed drivers mm-hmm. uh, through a retraining uh, program right uh, it's about enforcement how do you deal with corruption that is chronic how do you deal with limited capacity that police have right mm-hmm. so how do you bring in electronic enforcement technology in that space mm-hmm. how do you fix roads right that's a major cause of crashes that nobody talks about mm-hmm. right if i fall into a pothole mm-hmm. while driving my bike the case will be built against me and not mm-hmm. against the contractor Yeah. So uh there are many systemic changes and I think that requires a very different level of leadership and action than what we are seeing right now. Uh what Save Life Foundation has been doing is that we are we've been adopting roads 
to reduce fatalities on them uh, the mm-hmm. mumbai pune expressway we delivered a 43% drop in deaths mm-hmm. from one of the black spots in delhi we have eliminated deaths 100% mm-hmm. uh, we taken over the national highway 48 yamuna expressway as of yesterday mm-hmm. so uh, what we are trying to do at our end as a single small organization is that we are showing that it is possible to reduce deaths mm-hmm. if we address these chronic issues in a concentrated fashion right in a in a concerted fashion mm-hmm. and uh, we are hoping that uh, you know uh, that replication happens and that uh, work happens around there to be able to uh, fix more roads and take ownership of more roads and reduce deaths yeah. there so that the overall fatality count mm-hmm. of the country can come down right mm-hmm. so that's uh, what my sense is in terms of where the problem is and what is required to be done there and uh, we need people who can raise their voice you know we do, we don't just need people who are uh, you know as we say in up doing ji hazuri with the government yeah. we need people who, who you know who need to question the government right mm-hmm. that why why are roads in 2020 mm-hmm. uh, in many parts of our country still the same as they were in 1988 right, right? so i think those queries those, those questions have to be asked we have to demand that and we have to demand accountability that if a contractor creates a faulty road right. why is the contractor not going to prison for that after taking someone's life right so uh, we have to really uh, change our perspective when it comes to um, uh, you know uh, fixing some of these things and government wants to do it you know i'm not yeah. i'm not blaming the government i'm saying government wants to do it hmm. but government also sees or reacts to areas where there is a lot more public demand because they have so much to do how do they prioritize Right. Right. every every issue requires attention hmm. so they prioritize based on how many people are behind it mm-hmm. and so more people have to ask questions more people have to hold them accountable right. so that they can act on it as a priority right so yeah i mean i i honestly agree but tell me this thing when you uh, say that the government has to look into matters that we are working as well that the youth has to come up how do you think that the youth can come up i mean do you think that coming out on roads and protesting against something is the way out or is there any more as anything else that you would like to tell like you know this is the way you can start off well you know there are two ways right one is to look internally and the other is to look externally right, right? and in this case in this in the case of youth both are required right. we saw a case in delhi a few days ago where a police control room van was hit by a speeding young driver who was drunk mm-hmm. right now that person may have had drinks with uh, with with their friends right mm-hmm. and those friends failed to stop them from driving back after they were drunk yeah their friends failed to tell them the consequences of what could potentially go wrong right so we we need to act in our own mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know peripheries and our own spheres first mm-hmm. before we uh talk about uh, anything more right? right so every time we see uh, one of our friends or family members not wearing a helmet mm-hmm. or every time our mothers tell us that they don't like wearing a seat belt mm-hmm. uh, it is very important to convey to them that the seat belt is eventually going to protect them from a very serious injury right, right. and so that is the first level of action that people can take at their end right mm-hmm. that how are you really uh, addressing this issue and that happens when uh people understand the consequences right simply telling people that ye aap kar do hmm. will not might not solve the problem but telling them what the consequences can be or showing them what the consequences can be sure. uh through so much of media reports and through so much of videos and some of which are quite gory hmm. uh might get people to understand what can go wrong right hmm. and then uh the next step is looking out like uh, you know every time you see a broken road hmm. 
Uh-huh. Every time you see a pothole, every time you see a, a potentially a speeding driver, are you reporting those? Uh-huh. Right? Are you are you uh, you know what are you doing about that? Yeah. And uh, so I think there is a there is a need for uh, young people in India to uh, become a lot more active in this space uh-huh. uh, for the simple reason that uh, whether they regardless of what career they choose, regardless of what school they choose regardless of what college they choose regardless of which doctor they choose to go to yeah. they have to use the road for all of those things and if the access point if you're you know in your nervous system if the arteries are faulty hmm. then the brain will not function right so it is very important for people to understand that hmm. roads are the arteries of this country yeah. and for us to get anywhere in our lives uh, we have to pay attention to making these roads safer so that we don't lose our family members and we don't lose, lose our own lives yeah. or worse get maimed yeah. uh, because of what's going on on our roads right yeah so uh, tell me this thing that when you say that uh, the youth should be well informed and we should know about all the things that are already existing when it comes to road safety from where should the people actually derive their information like any sort of website any sort of from where do you derive your information regarding the new laws on road safety so what are, what what is the source of the information tell me well, we drafted the law so <laughs> we yeah. know about that yeah. but um, uh, you know uh, as, as a road safety organization of course we keep ourselves ahead of uh, the curve in terms of the latest yeah. Yeah. that's happening in this area but i think organizations like irsc can play a very crucial role in keeping the youth aware of what's going on and letting them know what their uh, roles and responsibilities are but also what their rights are right? mm-hmm. uh, in many cases we see uh, young people mm-hmm. uh, you know making videos of uh, road crash victims but not actually helping them out of some sort of fear and uh, spreading awareness about the fact that uh, you know the supreme court in the case of save life foundation versus union of india uh has enacted under article 141 of the constitution mm-hmm. a good samaritan law mm-hmm. which then got parliamentary backing last year um is a very potent way of uh, protecting them from any kind of hassle so they must come forward to help them right right um uh, you know you guys can partner with organizations like us and others who professionally conduct life saving trainings for people right we've trained mm-hmm. 15000 people in the past many years and are quite happy to train Mm-hmm. uh youth as well in in the art or the skill of saving someone's life right so what, i i think what what do you include in 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 the training programs what 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 is basically the basics of training that everyone well needs the to first do? thing the first thing is that it is the confidence that it is possible to save someone's life by just using your hands yeah and the second uh, piece is of course the technical elements of that which is you know how do you manage an airway how do you manage severe bleeding mm. how do you manage somebody who might have broken bones how do you manage somebody uh, who has to be lifted and put into a vehicle uh, you know how do you do it properly uh, as opposed to lifting them like a sack of grains and dumping them into a vehicle right which is what we see on cameras mostly sure. so uh, and that leads to spinal injury and brain trauma and stuff like that so uh, the program actually is quite inclusive we done it for uh, several colleges uh, nationally but i think a lot more has to be done right mm-hmm. and uh, covid is giving us an opportunity to go online and i think there's a big opportunity to partner to um, you know do this mm-hmm. so uh, my point is that uh, there are organizations like irsc mm-hmm. who can play a key role in uh, pushing this agenda amongst the youth yes and uh, you guys are already doing a great job and i think uh, you know sky is the limit for you and uh, there's a lot more that can be done yeah so uh 
tell me this thing that you know if i remove all the barriers and constraints what project is the one that you would be like to that you would like to start and you would be known by that project only like the one that you haven't really ventured into right now the one that's really that you want to start off with you know um we are already actually doing uh, what we yeah uh, always wanted to do yeah. um, you know we are earlier and you know one thing which is important to know is that mm-hmm. successful organizations are those that uh, keep achieving and then changing their vision right, right. so you have a vision for mm-hmm. getting the country a good societal law you achieve yeah. it and then you say okay we'll get the country a comprehensive road safety law right. you achieve it and then you say okay we will adopt the most dangerous road in the country and we'll make it 100% fatality free and then you achieve that and then you go on to other things right yeah. so uh, that's the way we operate so we've achieved uh, two of our visions our earlier visions that we had our mm-hmm. current vision is that our model our zero fatality corridor model mm-hmm. that in save life is now known for internationally mm-hmm. is uh, replicated on highways and expressways across the country mm-hmm. and once we achieve that we might look at you know um uh, you know something to do with uh, data analytics or mm-hmm. sciences to see how uh, we can make the system more robust mm-hmm. but uh, the way we look at uh, things at save life is that we we look at what we call big hairy audacious goals mm-hmm. and we go after them and once you've achieved them we look at a new goal mm-hmm. so as of right now we're quite dedicatedly focused on mm-hmm. uh, the zero fatality corridor work and uh, mm-hmm. that is something that has already saved lives and i'm pretty sure that uh, it will be up for application soon and uh, right. then you know mm. uh, districts uh, magistrates and mm. state governments and the central government can pick it up and replicate it on uh, larger roads mm. so um, there's no sort of like dream project that you are awaiting to we start. are we are already working on the dream project we oh. have the corridor as a dream project all right oh superb that's that's really nice so tell me this thing that i was reading uh, um the information the statistical reports on on the roads of india so mm-hmm. from 1950s to uh, 2016 that's the latest uh, data that we have by the government the number of roads so you must be knowing that there are national highways and state highways and they are coming under different different um, organization border road safety organization and stuff mm-hmm. so as far as what i analyzed after reading these statistics was that the the number of increase that was there in the building of national highways state highways district roads was comparatively much more in comparison to the rural roads so from 1950 to 2016 there were there was only a certain amount of increase in the total number of rural roads built तो ऐसा तो नहीं है दैट पीपल डोंट एक्सपीरियंस एक्सीडेंट्स इन द रूरल एरियाज राइट पीपल डू हैव पॉट होल्स इन द इन द कच्चा रोड्स एंड एंड स्टफ लाइक दैट सो व्हाट डू यू थिंक अबाउट रूरल रोड्स फॉर एग्जांपल रोड्स स्टिल हैव टू बी कंस्ट्रक्टेड इन द रूरल एरियाज व्हाट डू यू थिंक अबाउट दैट और इज सॉल्व ओनली लिमिटेड टू लाइक यू नो द अर्बन रोड्स द टेल मी टेल मी समथिंग मोर अबाउट दैट you know there are two aspects to it one is the political aspect which is that roads is not merely infrastructure it is actually mm-hmm. um access to opportunities yeah. right so if you have roads you can uh, access uh, other towns other cities better colleges mm-hmm. better uh, physicians mm-hmm. and so on and so forth right so it's a it's access to a better lifestyle right 
Also, if there are better roads, uh, there is uh, more opportunity for economic development, even if it's under the agricultural space, right? right? You can have more uh, produce, you know, getting out on time and so on and so forth. Right. So one is the, that, you know, politically, I, I remain bewildered as to why we have not addressed that issue because yeah. it can really transform rural economies uh, yeah. quite significantly, right? Yeah. So that's one piece. Yeah. The second aspect is the safety piece, right? Now, in a way, if you look at the the statistics uh, of road crashes, 68% of all deaths happen on a combination of national highways, state highways, expressways, and NDRs, mm. right? And the remainder mostly happens in the city. Right. Uh, a small part of it then happens in smaller rural areas where there might be a tractor crash or there might yeah. be... Uh, you know, uh, some small bus overturns or something like that, yeah. right? Those are all horrific, but in terms of the data, they are quite minuscule at this point of time. So in a way, from the safety perspective, yeah. somehow the rural uh, space has been spared uh, from uh, the brunt of road crashes. Yeah. Having said that, yeah. there is the way to analyze data actually is not merely in terms of the road type, yeah. but also in terms of what kinds of other roads pass through the rural area. Yeah. And most of the national highways, majority of the length of the national highways passes through rural areas, right? Yeah. They, they're either peri-urban or rural. Yeah. So in a way, uh, a lot of the victims of road crashes are still coming from rural areas, mm. right? And um, the entire road building campaign of the country to build 50 kilometers of highways every day or X number of kilometers of highways every day mm. is actually might backfire if we don't incorporate safety measures in those engineering uh, pieces, right? Mm, yeah. So while it's a political decision to create more rural roads or to expand the rural road network, but uh, the people living in rural areas are continuing to get affected by road crashes because of highways that pass through mm. or nearby those rural areas. Mm. And therefore, there is a big need for us to uh, fix uh, them, uh, you know, retrofit them if needed, or if they are being newly built, yeah. can incorporate the safe system approach practices yeah. Uh, from the World Bank and other agencies uh, to ensure that fatalities are reduced. Right. So, uh, Piyush, I also wanted to know this thing. Like, it's really interesting to ask from you. You, since you have done your MA from Harvard, apparently, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, means that you have also lived in the UK. I wanted to in ask. The US, yeah. In the US, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So, yeah. So, I wanted to ask that: uh, Is there any difference? in the way they look at road safety back in the US and back here? In, in of course, yeah, yeah, huge difference, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for a country that has 10 times more roads than us, yeah. uh, they have 30% uh, of the number of deaths that we have on our roads, right? Yeah. So it clearly shows that they deal with it very differently. And the single big difference between India and the US when it comes to road safety mm -hmm. is that they have a dedicated lead agency for road safety, hmm. unlike India, right? Okay. They have a NHTSA, which is the owner of road safety uh, in the US. Hmm. They have a large, uh, they have large facilities. They have a lot of experts that work with them. They have yeah. good budgets. Yeah. They have a secretariat. They have a clear leadership, hmm. and they have a clear role that nobody interferes with, right? Yeah, in our case, we have. Uh, you know, one uh, or two government bureaucrats working with three or four other staff members mm. dealing with road safety for 1.3 billion people, mm. right, at a, at a national level. Now, at the state level, again, we have small uh, road safety committees, yeah. right? And, I mean, it's a joke 
So unless you are able to create a dedicated organization mm. that takes the issue seriously, that has the right experts in it, mm. and uh, you know not just nominees, quote unquote, of various organizations, mm. uh, we will continue to suffer uh, longer-term impacts of this issue. Sure. So that's the one big difference, not just between India and the U.S., but also between India and elsewhere. Uh, yeah. You know, many countries that have dealt with road safety have dealt with it after setting up a dedicated lead agency yeah. that has taken the ownership of solving the issue. Right. So right. right now, the ownership lies with uh, a couple of individuals at a national level and a few dozen individuals at the state level. Right. True. So tell me about this thing. What, what do you want to uh, tell the youth, like the ones who are get, getting their driving license today, tomorrow, sooner? What will you tell to them that uh, what should they keep in mind when they get on the roads? Well, the only thing they need to keep in mind is that a vehicle is a weapon. Yeah. And that weapon mm. can and does kill people. Yeah. So the license that you've gotten is not a license to move from point A to point B. Yeah. It is a license to drive a weapon that can kill someone else. Mm. So they have to take the same amount of responsibility while driving a vehicle that can that they take while uh, you know if they get an arms license. Mm. And just in terms of physics, uh, I'm hoping some of your students are or some of your listeners are uh, students of uh, science, yeah. uh, a vehicle that hits a person at a speed of 60 kilometers mm. is equivalent to 24 AK-47 bullets fired, uh, you know, fired at that person. Oh, it's wow. called the same, the same amount of kinetic energy is transferred oh, okay. uh, you know, when, when the two happen. Right. So it's a very serious uh, responsibility. Mm. And if they don't take respon- that, serious, uh, that responsibility seriously, then um, they will kill themselves, but they'll most likely kill a poor person on the road who can't afford a safer vehicle like they can mm. and is forced to either walk or cycle or bike to work uh, to earn a living for their family. Right. So that sense of responsibility of uh, you know being surrounded by a weapon is very, very crucial. Right, right. So tell me this thing that uh, have you faced any, like, is there, a, is there a personal story that you want to tell? For example, you told me that, you know, your cousin passed away in a road accident. And can you just recall that day if you want to? How did you feel? How did you experience that day? Well, you know, um, there's a lot of info out there about that incident. But uh, broadly, uh, you know, it was uh, quite distressing for the entire family because uh, uh, Shivam was a child. He was, uh, you know, uh, 16 years old. He was on his way from school. And we couldn't fathom how a school child with a school bag and a uniform lying on the road asking for help could be ignored by passersby. Uh, you know, it's it just, uh, you know, unfathomable. I wouldn't even leave an animal like that unattended on the road, forget about a human being. So it was just uh, unacceptable. And I think that's really uh, something that triggered uh, me to eventually quit my job and focus on safe life. Yeah. What, what job were you into initially? I was uh, the India CEO of a uh, US-based private equity fund it's yeah. called the Calibrated Group. Yeah, right. So, Piyush, 2008 to 2020, is there any difference that you saw after you started Sol Foundation, like when it comes to like road safety, is there any difference or it's still the same? Like not, not talking about like the, the things that you have started off with, that Sol has started off with, but like you in particular as a human being, have you witnessed any sort of change in the road 
structure scenario or is it still still the same the same potholes the same traffic so what so like i said uh, in, uh, in the first question is that uh, you know there's certainly a lot more ownership for the issue yeah. uh, there's certainly a lot more aware people about the issue and um, there's definitely a lot more hope uh, that this issue will be solved in a defined period of time than there was uh, back in 2008 and uh, that hope is what carries us forward and we're hoping that uh, more people share that hope and also take the responsibility of uh, either responding to um, a tragedy or mm-hmm. preventing a tragedy in the first place from occurring right. uh, you know that's quite important in the in the role that people can play right. okay, so that's that's yet to uh, mature but i think overall there's there's definitely been a a good uh, level of awareness created about this issue right so back when you started solve like when 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 you started initially did you face any kind of struggles like with the government with the people in general like that you know okay i started off with this initiative and i want your help so were there any roadblocks in in the whole journey yeah i think yeah. you mentioned solve you, you meant to say save life foundation yeah uh, so when we started save life foundation hmm. uh, back in 2008 it wasn't easy but you know there are a lot of um, officials there are a lot of people who came forward to support us yeah and that uh, you know kind of reinstilled my faith in the yeah. fact that there are a lot of good people who are running this country yeah. and who are willing to support good ideas and uh, we've been quite lucky to be able to partner with good people and get their support yeah. and continue to do so and uh, you know continue to expand our, our operations our team yeah. and our impact overall yeah well i guess like any organization like in your case save life in our case soul i guess every organization faces a roadblock in in terms of road safety so uh, tell me the thing that if if the indian legal system needs rework due to different complication it holds when it comes to road safety and road conduct which is the one law that you would like to necessarily introduce or one law which you have felt needs to be tweaked to make things better well as you're aware india got a comprehensive road safety law last year yeah it's the motor vehicle amendment act yeah. so the law is there the one thing that we wish is for it to be implemented uh, properly across the country in all states mm-hmm. which is not happening as of right now yeah and uh, partially because of the covid situation and partially because of some level of lethargy in terms of uh, you know creating the rules and yeah. uh, delivering uh, enforcement around the new law but that law already is there Mm-hmm. and uh, it took us uh, nearly 5 years to get that law but uh, that it, it's not a tweak it's a comprehensive amendment and uh, we are hopeful that uh, you know that it will be implemented and that that's what our wish is in terms of uh, as far as the legal system is concerned mm-hmm. and what do you like i am a common citizen and i wanted to ask like on on an everyday basis like being on roads uh, as a girl it's a little bit difficult because you know if i have seen people commenting on female drivers i have seen uh, wrong things happening with females you know uh, getting into dtc buses and when we talk about road safety it's not only about accidents right it's also about the personal safety of an individual what do you have to say on the female safety out there on roads like is it are there no stereotypes or are there any sort of existing stereotypes any sort of problems that you have uh, come across 
you know it's a it's a um, uh, mm-hmm. larger uh, challenge around mm-hmm. the patriarchal setups that we have yeah which often create uh, issues for uh, women um, both uh, indoors as well as outdoors mm-hmm. right and uh, but one of the things that remains of concern to us is that despite uh, close to 70000 women dying in the last 3 years yeah. in road crashes in india yeah. not a single women's rights or, or, you know organization is talking about women's safety on the road yeah. right and i think that is it is quite critical because um, you know when we talk about women's safety on the road then the yeah. entire aspect of electronic enforcement will automatically come into play right? right because you have cameras you have radars you have mm-hmm. uh, uh, devices that provide irrefutable evidence to the police mm-hmm. uh, in in both in the cases of law and order as well as in the case of uh, traffic related issues right so um, we would we would definitely like to see a lot more Yeah. um organizations we are continuing to do that yeah. uh, at our end which is ask for more electronic enforcement and safer yeah. roads for women yeah. but we would like to see a lot more organizations that are gender based mm. to take up this issue as well mm. and really ask as to why such a large number of women have been uh, killed in road crashes in the last so many years uh, so you know in just the last 3 years yeah. and uh, you know get some action moving around that so that's that's the need of the hour mm. but the fact that uh, roads are very dangerous for women is a remains uh, you know the huge uh, fact and a big concern right. and uh, it is something that can be to some extent be resolved by right. appropriately implementing the motor vehicle amendment act uh, which includes the statutes around yeah. electronic enforcement uh, you know that uh, deter violators or uh, that deter uh, people who are uh, you know either attempting to make the roads inconvenient for women mm-hmm. or uh, are involved in mishaps mm-hmm. uh, you know with women mm-hmm. all right and what about uh, the traffic police i mean traffic police you can also you can always find traffic police you know located at places where there's a lot of traffic jam so that they can collect more amount of bribes and more amount of i i won't say often like as punishment because it's not always punishment but more sort of like more of a bribe sort of a thing so what do you say about that i mean you cannot off for sure deny that you know there's nothing known as bribe so uh, you know uh, firstly i'm not from the police so my denying or accepting doesn't make much of a difference yeah uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, corruption is uh, a big issue in enforcement mm. uh, police uh, uh, you know while there may be some corrupt officials we have largely dealt with police officials that are of of all ranks that are uh, very upright and because of whom uh to some extent this issue is not completely out of control as it was a few years ago right. uh having said that you know uh, traffic police can be much more better utilized for uh, focused interventions like uh, drink driving uh, related uh, checks right. and uh, more electronic enforcement can be used for other kinds of violations like jumping a traffic light over speeding and so on and so forth because those happen one at a mass level Mm-hmm. and uh, human eye can only only detect a few whereas a uh, uh, camera can detect uh, you know multiples of thousands mm-hmm. uh, in that very instant mm-hmm. so um, human based enforcement is something that is uh, quite uh, archaic in, uh, in in the area of road safety uh, mm-hmm. most countries including in our neighborhood like sri lanka mm-hmm. uh, even pakistan have moved to electronic enforcement and uh, uh they they're using their officials in a much better fashion uh, much right. more uh, focus either on law law and order or on 
uh, traffic issues that are very that can't be uh, you know caught by camera like drinking and driving right so uh, and therefore you get better results you know that piece so there's definitely a big need for that but like i said the motor vehicle amendment act is not being implemented hmm. uh, properly at this point of time and uh, you know one thing that organizations like ours and yours can do is to push the governments to implement that law because that law already covers a number of these areas right so thank you so much piyush that's it that's all my questions and uh, i i really think people need to uh, know a lot from you i mean not everyone thank has you. that sort of got to you know leave their well settled jobs and like start off with something like this from the scratch so i really feel that we need more entrepreneurs we need more people we need more start off uh, startups we need more ngos like this thank you so thank much you. for talking to us piyush do you want to thank say you. anything else No, that's it. Just uh, right. stay safe on the roads, and right. uh, please know that there is a good Samaritan law. And right. um, every time you see an injured person on the road, mm. please, please, please come forward to help them. Yeah. Uh, do not ignore them because uh, a spectator today can be a victim tomorrow. Right. And we need to create a culture where we come forward to help each other. Right. Thank you so much, Piyush. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Jyanti.